Are you a scaling SaaS founder? Ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds you know and those you don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel with your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globetrotting adventurer, Jeff Maines. Welcome back to the SaaS Fuel Podcast, where our loyalty program has more tears than a wedding cake. I'm your host, Jeff Maines. I help B2B SaaS founders like you scale from seven figures, which is good, to eight and nine figures, which is outstanding. Together, we supercharge revenue growth, create premium valuation, and craft a business you're proud of and a life of impact and freedom that you love. I was listening to the radio this week, and the hosts were talking about what would go in to the perfect back-to-school playlist. And, and they were having some fun with the list, for sure. I mean, they think songs like, you know, What I Go to School For by the Jonas Brothers, Too Cool for School, Fountains of Wayne, uh, Hot for Teacher by Van Halen, You Belong to Me, Taylor Swift, uh, Funny One, I Heard a Rumor by Banana Rama. Of course, you know, what would be complete without Another Brick in the Wall by Pink Floyd, right? You know, some of the songs I knew, and some I have no idea what they were. Uh, but there's one I hadn't heard in a long, long time, maybe even since college. And it was way before my time, even then. It was all the way back to that 60s Beach Boys song called Be True to Your School. And I was thinking about that. I was like, is that still a thing? I mean, school spirit and all that, but crosstown rivalries. And obviously, you know, it, it's a big in college. I mean, just watch any football game on a Saturday. But growing up, loyalty was a thing and, you know, crosstown rivalries. I mean, that was, it was really big, but loyalty, you know, to your school, to your church, to your friends, to your neighborhood, to your family. You know, anyone says anything bad. Oh yeah. It's on like Donkey Kong, you know, really defensive and super loyal. And some brands are that way and they have super loyal fans. David Meerman Scott wrote an outstanding book called Fanocracy about that and uh, the phenomenon and how to create that in your business. But how many things are we really loyal to these days versus, you know, kind of free agent opportunists? I can think of a handful of stores or brands that I'm loyal to, but not really that many. I mean, how about you? Now, as commerce has become more democratized and traditional brick and mortar is, is overshadowed by online options, Business owners have rolled out loyalty programs. You know, some of them have been around a long, long time. You know, think back to like green stamp books a long time ago to, uh, to more modern things with cards. But customer loyalty is the golden ticket. You know, it's the secret handshake, the VIP pass, but getting it right. You know, that's where the plot thickens. It's not as easy as just rolling out a program. A company you've probably never heard of is the Octalysis Group. They are the unsung heroes of gamification and have a lot to do with the way that loyalty works today. You know, most of what you see in the market today, the best app designs, the ones that are addictive apps are built on the Octalysis framework pioneered by Yukai Chow, co-founder of Octalysis and gamification Kosu. Octalysis tapped into eight core drives of motivation. That's where Octo eight, eight core drives of motivation. They have one of the best slogans in any company. We make important things enjoyable and enjoyable things more productive. And that couldn't be more true. You know, looking at applications before and after have, have doubled users activity on platforms that are using their, their framework and their tools. 
And it's not by just you know, giving virtual trophies or little rewards or doodads, those kinds of things, but it's really deeply understanding what makes customers tick and what is engaging, what makes them want to go deeper into the application and spend more time. And it's like turning broccoli into the favorite dish at the dinner table for kids, right? Pure genius if you could do something like that. From the outside, loyalty and gamification seem easy. You'll catch a magic mushroom and you grow big, right? But the execution is really hard without tapping into behavioral science and why buyers make the choices that we do, whether the choices are big or small. Rewards can be delightfully delicious, bland, or like a sandwich. So how can SaaS leaders motivate their team and cook up a loyalty program that's either tasteless gruel or an overspiced disaster? How do we balance the sugar and spice of rewards and gamification and tap into those eight core drives? There are some key lessons from today's guest that you can use in your marketing copy, sales process, with your sales teams, engineers, and more. In the SaaS world, non-mission critical solutions can seem like a flavor of the week and change at the drop of a hat. Now, customer loyal is your trusted recipe. It's the difference between a Michelin star feast and dog's breakfast tomorrow. So grab your apron, sharpen your knives, and let's whip up a loyalty program that not only satisfies, but delights. After all, as any great chef will tell you, it's not about the ingredients. It's how you blend them together. So you ready to cook out something extraordinary today? If you could use a little gamification, collaboration, and inspiration on your SaaS journey from fellow B2B SaaS founders, check out today's sponsor, Champion Leadership Group. It is the ultimate resource for SaaS founders and C-suite executives to continue to develop themselves, scale their companies, and never walk alone on the journey. Supercharge revenue by leveraging our time-tested SaaS growth principles, toolkits, playbooks, and frameworks all designed to help you scale ARR from seven to eight to nine figures. Collaborate with an elite network of SaaS visionaries as we up-level ourselves, our teams, and have some fun along the way for sure. Confidently take the right next step that turns into a quantum leap of profitable growth, premium valuation, and freedom. You can learn more at championleadership.com. Our expert guest last week was Harry Spate, master of complex sales in hyper-competitive sales environments, author of Selling with Dignity and the host of the Sales Made Easy podcast. He gave us great insights about how to make sales a win for all and be a great experience, not only for your prospects, but for you as well. And our founder last Tuesday was Casey Golden, founder and CEO at LuxLock, an e-commerce SaaS for luxury brands. And Casey is doing the impossible and absolutely killing it in the luxury space where e-commerce is just unheard of. And she gave some great insights into resilience and creativity. If you missed either one of those episodes, go back and give them a listen. My guest this week is Bish Smear, founder and CEO of Enigmatic Smile, as well as founder and CEO of Val Currency. Enigmatic Smile is a reward technology facilitator that's integrated over 40 financial services organizations globally, serving millions of end users and tens of thousands of connected merchants. Enigmatic Smile's clients use their easy-to-deploy solution to deliver exceptional reward programs for their customers. Now, it's the loyalty program that actually creates loyalty. 
Welcome the guy behind it, Bish Smear. Hey, Bish, welcome to SAS Fuel. Hi, I'm very happy to be here on SAS Fuel with you, Jeff. Pleasure. Well, I, I love what you're building. Tell me a little bit about uh, your background and how did you come up with the idea and how did you get to where you are today? Okay. Um, well, I, I might as well say who I am. So I'm Bish. I am a, a CEO of a company called Enigmatic Smile based out of the UK. And what we do is we build or we call ourselves a rewards technology facilitator. So we help rewards companies, any large organization, fulfill the, the, the product of a reward program for their entire customer base. And we, we, we try to make them do it as effectively as possible. How did we get there? Um, through a long, a long tumultuous ride, um, we're now in quite a good situation, but it, it's, been a, it's been an up and down journey to get there, as I guess it is for everyone um, to try and achieve it. <laughs> so it's been crazy, but that's where we are. So everything starts with a smile. And, and, and I love that. And rewards are something that, you know, I think consumers are becoming more and more about. It's just, there's so many things out there and companies will try and do it themselves. And it's very difficult to do. It's expensive. And so many reward programs really, I think, miss the mark because they, they don't incentivize the right things. So how have you guys I, addressed that? I think that's true. I think that's, de that's definitely true. I mean, how many, uh, reward programs are there that people use? And I, I would say there's not that many. I mean, you register, right. you, you download some cards, you, you, you maybe have a QR code or an app or you, 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 you get a voucher or coupon or collecting some air miles. But really, do you care? Um, and that's <laughs> part of the problem of reward programs. Really, do you care? Right. So maybe d different demographics care to different levels. Um, but uh, the problem is, do you care? And it comes down to that story. I think I told you this story um, uh, on a previous chat, but um, it was always something that bothered me about the experience that I think all of us have every day or, or, or several times a week, at least for me, whereas I go to a restaurant and I say, can I have a Coke? And the waitress turns around and says, sorry, it's not Coke, it's Pepsi. And then she asks the question, is that okay? And every single time I recognize myself saying, yes, that's okay. And then I realize that I don't really care if it's Coke or Pepsi. I think I slightly prefer if it's Coke, but she's asking the same question to everyone. It's not, it's not, do you want a Coke or a Pepsi? It's can, everyone says, can I have a Coke? And then right. they say, and then they say, uh, it's a Pepsi. Is that okay? And what it, in, in my mind, what it taught me essentially is that nobody cares. Nobody, there's no such thing as customer loyalty, really, right? Um, it's got to be something bigger than that. It's got to be a bigger networked effect to actually have an effect. And everything else is uh, in, in Scotland, we have a, a, an expression called being in the dark. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> um, <laughs> you're just throwing stuff and hoping something works. Whereas right. if you can build, a network effect, an ecosystem effect with many partners and collaborators, then it becomes more interesting for, for people to play with, in my experience. And I think that's really interesting. Instead of trying to do it yourself, you're really tapping into a network. And so it's not just one place you can use the rewards. There are multiple locations, but then you're earning at multiple locations as well. Is that how it works? That's exactly right. Um, it's kind of like the way, the way we think about it is 
um, is what's a dollar in your lingo? <laughs> what's a dollar? <laughs> and, a, and a dollar is a dollar is a dollar. And people say, oh, what, what's, a, what's a dollar backed by? Uh, I don't know. What's a, what is a dollar backed by? I don't, I don't know. There's nothing <laughs> well, we just believe it's a dollar. Yeah. In, in fact, right. It actually says on the front of the dollar, in God we trust, because God values this dollar thing, you know, that, that everyone <laughs> Let's but hope reason- so. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, at least temporarily, yeah. Yes. A dollar worth something. Um, and it's worth something because we collectively all agree that it's worth something. And the more people that collectively agree it, even on a geopolitical level, the more people that think that a dollar's worth something, a dollar, the better it is. But if people collectively stop using a dollar and they don't accept a dollar and nobody uses a dollar, then the dollar is going to be worth nothing. Right. Um, so, so at, a, at the highest order level, the people, the people themselves make the value and the mindset and the acceptance of it makes it worth something. Um, uh, maybe a few guns behind it as well. <laughs> 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 but in the case of a reward currency, it's sort of the same. If it's only accepted in one location, let's call it the issuer of that reward, um, then you know I might not be someone who goes back to that business all the time and, and it's not always on my mind all of the time and therefore the reward loses its potency in the same way as a dollar if no one accepted it. But if the network effect of the reward currency can be garnered, and the the belief of the consumer is that it's real value um, because they can use it in more than that one location, then it becomes something which I'm interested in and, and uh, I care about, especially if the unit of account of that currency uh, coincides or is similar to the uh, the national currency, like a dollar. Yeah, Right. That makes a lot of sense. Almost philosophy now, no? Yes, yes. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, all values perceive value. And so when you have a rewards program that that you can use multiple places, that it's not tied to just one specific thing, I think that the perceived value of those rewards are significantly more. So everybody that's part of the network benefits from that. A hundred percent. It's kind of like if, if, if I if I say to you what you're interested in, <laughs> I'll tell you what, <laughs> I'm going to make I'm going to make some wild assumptions and say, this is what Jeff means is interested. What if I get it wrong? Well, right. I'm just going to guess. I'm going to guess. And somehow by my guess, and you know what? We can use some intelligence and some marketing and all of this stuff and dig in deep about right. it. But I'm going to try and guess essentially at the end of the day what you're interested in. And the, the arrogance of that, you know, it's, it's quite ridiculous to imagine. I think I know what you want. So um, to create a situation where we try as hard as possible not to guess what you want and to just make sure we sell the best products and services so you want our products and services, that would be a more genuine, um, a genuine rewarding experience for for those concerned, in my mind. Yes, yes. And I've certainly had experiences where you've been part of reward programs and, you know, go every couple of months, but the, the rewards expire after a month. Like, well, that was kind of useless. Why even bother? Or exactly. you know, another one where, you know, similar to, to this, where you're actually looking for, okay, who is in network? Who is part of this? And so that actually drives some of the decision and the buying pattern. Like, oh, this merchant's in there. I've never been there. I want to go try that restaurant. I want to go try this place. 
And so I think that's really interesting, just the psychology behind, uh, you know, doing that. And it's two very different things. One of the rewards are useless and the other is curiosity. Uh, definitely. I mean, like, uh, in, in, in the old days, um, I'll tell, I'll tell you a wee story, right? So, so when I first, when I was 19 years old, probably a few of the guys and ladies that are listening to this, um, podcast of yours have had similar experiences. They were, uh, hustlers. They were, they were the people that went out there and tried to make something happen and were bruised sure. and battered on the journey. You know, and probably some are, some are still hustling to try and figure out how to crack the codes that, that makes everyone wealthy. Um, and during that hustle, one of the things we used to do is we used to sell discount cards. So we used to, we used to literally take a, yeah. a piece of paper for Subway sandwiches or Pizza Hut or something like this. And we would, it would say two for the price of one on it. And it would have like $20 on the bottom of it. And we would go out and we would knock on doors and we would tell people, Hey guys, this amazing promotion at Pizza Hut where you can buy this for $20 and you can get two for one pizza as many times as you like. And not just one pizza. If you buy two, you get two free, four, you get four free, eight, you get eight free. <laughs> you can save an absolute fortune, unlimited free pizza for just $20 today. And, um, and the, the customer was like impulsed into buying this voucher where they did get what they were promised and they gave me my $20 and sure. I could eat and they could eat. <laughs> um, but right down on the ground was the exact same offer on a flyer. Yeah, it, it was just literally all over the flyers. They'd been leaflet dropping where the customer could have picked up the two for one voucher that's on the floor for free. And yet we're able to sell it. And even then, when the customer says, uh, when this customer said, but there's the same offer on the floor, we go, yeah, 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 yeah. But you can only use that once. This is, you can use this whenever you want. And there was always a reason to. Sure, of to, course. So the perception of value when it comes to an interpersonal interaction. Yeah, is huge. And you know that when you're networking, when you're going out and meeting people, if your posture is right. wrong, if the way you're communicating is wrong, you're not, you're not going to get any attention, not going to close any deals. But if you get that interaction for the, 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 the person you're speaking to absolutely aligned with what they're interested in, suddenly your value increases and you can get to the point of the deal you ended up um, getting. And I always found that was easy in interpersonal reaction, interpersonal selling. I, I could sell, no problem. But then when it came to applying that into business, when it wasn't me that was selling, yeah, um, and I had to transfer that process into another person to sell, and that process was a computer system with no human there, yeah, it became a lot more difficult. And in terms of the reward itself, in, in terms of the reward section, you're looking at a reward that nobody's physically selling at that moment in time. The person's got to decide based on graphics, based on, you know, a mil based on the merchants participating or the retailers or what you can use it for. And if that process is wrong because it's too limited, then the value of that reward is gone. And, um, right. and so I think, I think it's that, that, that the width and the breadth of the rewards itself and where it can be used is the thing that we need to, which, which can easily be captured by a group of merchants who are synergistic to each other. And that's why collaboration is important, I think, in, in, in the game I'm promoting. So how did you come up with the idea? I mean, it's, it's something that has it's been around, like you said, that the cards and, and people still use those around here as fundraisers. 
every year they're, they're coming and selling cars, but it's a very limited number. How did you take something like that and just from the physical world and bring it into an app in the digital world? Oh my God, you're just exciting me with the questions. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, that's a wonderful question and it's got many answers. Yeah. But, um, if I, if I try and drill down to it, the, the idea that every single year, I mean, like at this moment in time, this year, there's going to be $40 million spent on retail transactions with credit cards and debit cards, $40 trillion. Yeah. Wow. And it, ter- it turns out that 17% of that total is discounted. Is that, That's a discount amount, whether it's a coupon or an offer or something, yeah, or a two-for-one coupon. 17% of that entire 40 trillion amount this year. It's a lot. Is discounted. It's a lot. And really what I was thinking at the time was, because of all this door-to-door selling and all the different experiences that you gather in your life, I was thinking that 17% is just kind of vaporized. If I go along to an Indian restaurant and I order an Indian, I swear to you, every single time I go to the Indian restaurant, the guy turns around to me. I won't, I won't try the accent, but the guy <laughs> turns, <laughs> the guy turns around to me and he says, thank you very much. In fact, I, I can't help put on the accent. Thank you very much. But I'm going to give you, because you're such a good guy, I'm going to give you 15% discount. I didn't ask for the discount. He just gave right. me, a, I, he's just taking money out of his own pocket. I feel a little bit good. But within five seconds of leaving that restaurant, I'm not thinking about it again. It's gone. The, it's the, gone. The yeah. Right. So what just happened there? They're just throwing away money. Yeah. And um, and it happens on a massive scale. Like, a, as you say, 17% of $40 trillion is just vaporized. So Seven the trillion idea, dollars. I mean, that's, that's significant. It's a huge, your mass is not bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to calculate it in my head. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. Right? It's like seven apples. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so the point is that um, if you if you take that money, it's like seven times the value of the entire cryptocurrency market in the entire world is wow. just being thrown. It's just being thrown away. And so, I wondered if we could kind of trap that value and and tokenize that value. So that it could be something else, a new, a new form of thinking about that value, and that's what we've implemented, um, and that involves everything from blockchains to payment cards to you know ev- everything to make that that process come together, and it's kind of coming together reasonably well, I would suggest at the moment. So the difference is, if you are a shop, or or let's just take away the shop and we'll say you're an online shop, or you're a you're a service provider, like your, your kind of customer base. What is the choice of promotion that they have yeah, or, or, or your listeners have? They're going to have a customer come up and they need to make a choice right now that I'm going to sign up for whatever amount of right. money every month. Maybe I'm not talking to the big service providers that you're talking about, but maybe the ones that are, you know, a few hundred dollars a month uh, kind of companies at this minute in time. So I'm not discluding the bigger ones, but everyone does some sort of offer. You know, why don't you have a month free? Okay, or right. uh, why don't you? Uh, why don't you? Uh, we'll give you half per, half of the bill for the first six months, or um, something along those lines. But they're doing exactly the same thing with what the Indian restaurant did. Okay, right now, what, what what happens if I didn't do any discount at all? 
and I told the customer, I'll tell you, uh, if you sign up with me today and if you run with, with us, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you $1,000 of this reward currency and you can go and spend them in the supermarket right now just as a thank you for trying us out. So what, what, what that does is it creates something longer lasting than just the initial discount of a month. And I, I didn't even think about it. I just said, okay, I'll sign up. But maybe you could have got me to pay the first month because I was actually a customer who wanted to pay that, that right. for, the, for your service. And so that thousand uh, that you just gave me or whatever amount that you just gave me now can be tailored to what I would want. Yeah, so I'll give you a thousand to spend on this or a thousand to spend on that. And now, now I feel excited and I feel you gave me something of value, but actually I paid you for it. <laughs> um, and, uh, and that's the, that's the, the sort of core difference in the background of this. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I lost track there, but I was kind of giving you a, an example of where, where money disappears in the process that, that can be used more efficiently. And that makes a lot of sense because it, it is something that is longer lasting. It keeps top line revenues higher and, and still has conversion. I assume the conversion rates the same or are they higher well, with a program like this or okay. higher with discounts? A hundred percent is higher, right? So we, we, I'll give you an example of what we did in the UK as a, as a test. We worked with, there were these guys who were selling a lot of boilers. Yeah. So, so, you know, people get new boilers and they were selling thousands of boilers. Um, and uh, and every single time they would get to the end of the sale and they would start discounting to match the the other leads that had come in. And so the thought process is why what would happen if you I mean you know yourself if if you charge an extra five dollars a month it's not just five dollars it's five dollars a month of revenues being lost. It's, right. It can be three years worth of five dollars is you know so one hundred and eighty dollars I lost by not taking that subscription at a higher level. Um, right. Well, what if I know it's gonna? If I know that I could have got an extra hundred hundred and eighty dollars, just give the guy fifty dollars of something. If I give you cash, it, it's not the same effect as I give you something to take your wife for a lovely meal in a beautiful restaurant, and you know you can have the you know crack open the chateau and have the pap, have an amazing time, enjoy yourself. You know, it's 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 the whole experience of what you were just given that makes a, a, you know makes some sort of. Um, make some sort of difference at, the, at that point. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Did, did I answer that question or did I miss yes, something? Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> so at the beginning, you talked about the, the journey and it being up and down. Tell me about some of those. I mean, what are the, the high moments? What have been the, the low moments? Oh my God. Low, low, low moments are much more exciting than high moments. High, high moments are when you get your first when when you understand in your mind that you cracked the code, you know, when, when you know this is something that I can replicate infinitely, right? That's the high moment, yeah? When, when things work, when you make your first $100, your first $1,000, first $10,000, you know, all the way up, yeah? Um, they were always the highs. It wasn't the money itself. As the money starts flowing, it's exciting. But it's the... It's the fact that you did it. You, you cracked the, the puzzle. You know, you somehow you magically created the puzzle. Those have been the high moments for me. The, the, the bringing on of somebody in the team who just you learn from more than you knew yourself, you know, um, by, by bringing on better people all around you. Um, 
and the low moments are borrowing money from loan sharks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> literally, so many crazy situations where where you went where, where you had to choose: Am I doing this or am I not doing it? You know, and um, for yeah. me. For me, if I'm going to do something, I, I'm a bit dogmatic that way. I'm going to do it. I'm going to vow it. I'm going to promise it to myself. And I will 100% do everything it, that it has to achieve it. Because I think every single person knows you either fail or you succeed. And 99% of people fail. And the reason they fail is because they didn't stick with it. And, and somebody, yeah. somebody, somebody said to me, um, what's that line? Um, you... Basically, you haven't failed if you've not given up. So, so somehow that was like some sort of 90 IQ information that went in my brain at some point. And, and I, I haven't failed. I haven't failed. If I haven't given up yet, I haven't, I haven't failed. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm a winner. That's good. <laughs> and then, then, then that got me sticking with it. So in terms of highs and lows, it's just an oscillation. You know, there's no such thing as the top. We just keep going. <laughs> now, how do you keep yourself motivated through the, the lows? Is it just the, the commitment? Oh, or is something more. Now you're asking a, a deep, deep question. How do you keep yourself motivated through your lows? I, I have people around me that, that really help keep me from getting too low and, and also help keep me from getting too high when things are going well. And so I think that's, that's one part what, of it for what, sure. What, what happens if it's going so low that everyone around you isn't able to hold you and you need to hold them? How, how do you hold yourself when, when what's the words of Rudyard Kipling, when all about you, are, when everybody's losing their heads around you? How, how do you keep your head? What, what I, is I think it for me, it, it, it comes down to my why in, in its purpose. It the is the, the commitment – why? Well, maybe both, <laughs> but but my why? It's Make the, the, the money. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it, it, it's that driving purpose, the the why behind, you know the you know why why did it start the company? Why am I doing this? Why do I care? Why does it matter? And and for me, that is the thing that keeps me going. And if the why is not big enough. It's easy just to go. I give up. I'm I'm, I'm done. I'm going to go do something else because this, you know this is too what, hard. Do you, know, do you know clearly what that is for you? Yes, absolutely. What What is that? What is that? Well, for me in Champion Leadership Group, it is about helping other people, uh, helping other B two B SaaS founders not make the same mistakes I did. And so it, it's making a difference. It's being the mentor that I wish I'd had back in the beginning. And I did have later on. And the, the difference in my experience and my business journey, night and day. And that's what I want to prevent is those early days where I didn't have that. And that's where the, the lows are so low that, that, that you don't come back. And, uh, and then, you know, that's later on, having the, the mentors, having the wisdom and just being that for other people to, to keep them going on their journey to, to help them find that success. That's an extraordinary commitment, personal commitment of yourself that you have to give to others to 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 maintain that path. Um, I, I had a leader one time um, that, uh, you know, if I if I look back at a few experiences in my life, one one time when I was maybe seventeen, I was digging a ditch for the waterboard, and um, I'd never really had a serious manual job, and I was digging the ditch 
and I had to put my hands into the ditch. And when they, when the digger broke a pipe, I had to take the, literally the boop out of it. Yeah. yeah? <laughs> wow. I'm sitting in the rain and the rain's pouring all over me. I'm covered in mud. I'm dealing in other people's poo. And I'm, I'm like, I'm like, what the hell am I doing with myself? And, and the, the, the old guy that was standing behind me, who at the time had a whiter beard than I have, turned down to me and he said, just get on with it, son. And, <laughs> and something happened. And, and that, that literally was probably one of the most instrumental things in my life where I just thought, why am I feeling sorry for myself? Why am I being such a dickhead to myself? All I, all I want to do is get on top of myself so that I'm in control of what I'm doing and stop moaning. And, and this guy who was not the most intelligent guy in the world, didn't have any real money, didn't really have anything, probably was one of the strongest inspiration points in my life because he literally just said those words, just get on with it, son. And it changed me. Yeah, wow. it, it crystallized something in me. Um, and then later on in, in my life, I had another leader who, uh, as I said, this was at a time when we were knocking on doors. And I, I had built up about 50 people in my team at, at that time, all knocking on doors, all commission only. And he, um, and, and what happened was at a certain point, you got to graduate into running your own kind of, uh, company within this wider network. Um, and so I really wanted to do that. And I saw this, I was on the field one night and I turned around out of the corner of my eye and I saw this guy who was my leader and I saw him running down the street and I, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought he's running down the street. He probably, I think to this day, he ran around the corner and just had a smoke, you know, <laughs> but he just wanted, <laughs> wanted to show me the value of hard work. And from, from that moment, something happened where, um, where I understood that if anything's going to happen, it's not going to happen by, by, well, sometimes it can ha happen by luck if you're lucky. But other times, if you just keep pushing yourself, work harder than the next person, longer than the next person, more focused than the next person, um, then you, you should theoretically, on average, have a higher result than the next person. So between those two lessons of not feeling sorry for myself, even when you're down at the bottom and working hard. Um, and this thing that you mentioned, which is your why, yeah. Um, everything with one, with one addition, which is the, the belief, um, that there is a higher creative power that is, um, able to help you on your journey with those four things in place and your health. Um, and some cans of Red Bull. <laughs> I think <laughs> there you go. A little product placement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anything's possible, right? Anything's possible. <laughs> and, and, and is that not the beautiful thing that you do every day when you're talking to leaders and new leaders and people that want to build stuff and change their lives just by knowing that they can? You know, it's 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 extraordinary. It's an amazing position you're in where you get to talk to these people and, and, um, and influence them and give them the helping hand they need because, um, you know, we all needed it at some point. And whether it was a guy yes. who said what he said to me um, and got me out of the, the, the shits, literally, um, or whether it's you giving someone a higher order of advice, everyone needs someone to help them, you know, so it's wonderful. Absolutely. 
And I think that my way goes you know, deep like that as well in that, uh, you know, very similar mentor story in that really? you know, even when, you know, it, it's, you know, why do I want to be that mentor? And it's because I had that. And it was somebody saw something in me that I didn't see myself and they saw potential and they saw that, you know, I had a will. They saw that I had some talents. They saw that I had some skills and, and it wasn't that that I was, really using those skills or those talents at the time, but they saw that in there and they were able to draw that out and, and really build that in me. And so I think, you know, for me, that's what I want to do for other people is to be able to identify that and say, Hey, I see something in you. I see greatness in you. And let's bring that greatness out. You know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a wonderful thing. My, my, we, we homeschool our children specifically for this reason, because we have a, um, we have a, a kind of thought process. And I think it started with my wife more than me, where she was ready to commit more than I was to taking kids out of school. Cause I was like, well, school, school, what are you talking <laughs> about? But over time, she's educated me um, and inspired me. And in fact, it's something we're going to do more of now um, in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, maybe philanthropic concepts. Yeah. But we, we want to be in a position where we can help children um experience their own uniqueness because this, yes. this, this, this moment of maturity and self-awareness and drive. And as you called it, will, as Gurdjieff um, said back in the day, if, if you will something, if, if you, if you have the will to, to make something happen, um, as long as it's nurtured with confidence and, and people around you to help you just believe in yourself, anything's possible. That's so exciting. It's a lovely thing that you're doing. I think it's, I think it's great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I love that you know, with, with kids as well. Uh, I think that makes a, a lot of sense because there, there's, there's so many pressures, so many things. On, I mean, even just social media today um, that, that just beat up their self-esteem. That you know, I'm not like whatever I see on social media. Therefore, I'm, I, you know, I'm not as good as them. But it's not true. And that's what they need is somebody to, to really – pull that out of them and see and identify that greatness and help them live into their, their potential. To be, to be honest with you, I think, I think those are great, great words, but uh, every day, I think before this chat, we, we were talking about the chat GPT thing. I, yeah. I'm terrified. I'm terrified. Like it can do everything that I can do better by a factor of 20. Right? <laughs> so, so I'm starting to think, well, I thought I was a pretty special guy. I, th I thought <laughs> I thought I was actually quite good at what I do, and ChatGPT beats me to it every time. And that's like a year ago; it didn't exist. So, in five years, what value can I offer the world? You know, what 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 can I do that's useful or build? I, what's what's his name? Sam Sam. I forgot his second name, right? Because I always get him confused with the. The guy that got put in prison for FDX or, or <laughs> Sam, Sam Altman is, is, is similar, right? Somehow. So anyway, yeah, Sam so Altman. I was watching him talking, yeah. and he said, um, and he's and, and he was sitting in front of all these other uh, people, and they started asking about AI and what startups should be involved in AI and what should I do in AI. And he said, well, if you're thinking of trying to do the same kind of models as us and develop better models, just don't even start. <laughs> Just don't even start. There's no point. You're never going to catch up. Um, <laughs> and you go, oh my God, is it, is it that powerful? And I think it is. 
So I worry that the children are going to grow up in a world um, where they question their usefulness, which more than the way they look or the way they the taste and yeah. clothes they have from social media is a deeper level of fundamental problem is what use am I if a computer can do it 20 times better than me? Um, and so, yeah, I think it's important to try and maintain that physical dimension and keep people in the present um, and nurture that willpower inside of them to, 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 to make a change. Or we're going to end up in the Terminator world, right? <laughs> After... <laughs> <laughs> right. Or Zion or something. <laughs> right, um, right. So, I, I, yeah, it's, 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 uh, sometimes it'd be quite easy to go off and live in Switzerland in the hills and bring up your children with some nice cows, and, you know, just away from <laughs> it, let itself all figure itself out. On the other hand, my God, the, the opportunities that this AI presents us on our day-to-day -day lives yes. is pretty intense, right? Um so we'll see. We'll see where it all goes. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to me just how quickly technology is changing and evolving and, and, and even faster now. I mean, technology is iterating on technology and it's just going so, so fast. It's, it's true. And, and, and fundamentally at the bottom of it all, which I, I could actually link back to what, what we're doing. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> but I can bring it all back and say fundamentally at the bottom of everything, we need to reassess our thoughts of money as a population, as a, as a humanity. Um, because you go to school and you're taught you should be successful. And you're taught, if you're a street sweeper, come on, you don't want to be a street sweeper, do you? Like, wh what a terrible thing right. to be a street sweeper, you know? And at the end of the day, why? That's a good, that's something that probably provides more value than half the entrepreneurs on here. Sad <laughs> <laughs> but mean, true. It's true. It's true, right? So, so. Yes. I think our priorities have just got so messed up over our own individual drives to be some sort of superheroes instead of instead of just thinking what it is we can quietly do for the rest of the world. Um, I, I watched uh, Captain Kirk, what's his name, William Shatner, and I read yes. some little article. He said he was 90 years old and he went up to space recently. With, with, uh, with, who did he go with? He went with... Um, he went with, uh, yeah, uh, Jeff Bezos, right, in his flight. So he went up to space and he said, um, when I looked out there, I realized that it was all just blackness, as black as the, uh, as black in every direction. And the only thing was, was the earth. And I realized that this is our home and this is where we are. And from that perspective, he was filled with a deep sense of sadness that we were all just destroying everything around us in this rabid climb mm. to the top instead of, thinking how much better we can make it for the rest of our communities. So I don't, I don't know. I hope no one listening is like a way to kill themselves. <laughs> it's an interesting topic, but I think we have to assess our perspective on economics and money. And that's why I'm, that when it comes to my why, that's why I'm interested in rewards um, and why I'm interested in the decentralization of the way rewards work. Um, because if, instead of a centralized issuer akin to a central bank or a central authority issuing money, imagine if businesses could independently issue a currency supply um, that was backed by their themselves, backed, backed by the group, by the collective. Um, and who knows where it can lead in future. But right now we find it a very interesting place to play and it, and it works, you know. So 
Um, it, 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 it's aligned with my long-term philosophy, although I'm not entirely sure exactly how they all go into it in the end. Where I'm at at the moment, my why is to see what can happen with such a um, with such a innovation. Let's say, yeah, creating your own currency is is the ultimate. <laughs> and we see some of that, like with cryptocurrency. And how do you see rewards in in doing it that way, competing with cryptocurrency, or does it compete at all? Uh, from from my perspective, cryptocurrency is. Um, I mean, I, I bought my first Bitcoins when it was like $86, yeah? And if it wasn't for Bitcoin and crypto, I wouldn't exist. <laughs> it, saved <me. laughs> it saved me so many times. Um, but essentially, um, I could see the... I, I was what we call a Bitcoin maximalist at the beginning, right? Um, and uh, I saw the vision of Bitcoin, what it was attempting to be, and it's all around nature of what it, what it was trying to be, you know? And the genius of that system and the simplicity of that system, um, I saw the future in, and that's why I, I was all in. Like I, I wanted to go all in. As times progressed, and so many other cryptos have have, have come about, all I see a bit, uh, the whole crypto market as is a giant viper's nest of people, um, with some good people in there too. <laughs> but sure. the entire thing is just a viper's nest of maximum maximum ponzing it up all the way okay right and, there's um, definitely that going on yeah and 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 i and i'm in it yeah and i'm in crypto and we are building crypto and blockchain projects and i'm telling you i coming with it from the perspective of someone who genuinely was trying to do something good and seeing the amount of insanity that goes on in a database at, at, at the level of quite a high understanding of what's going on um, I, I was shocked with it. And anyway, it's not all negative because I think that parts of the problem here is nobody uses it. You know, not, not, not they use it in some senses, but you can't really go into a shop and pay with it or use right. it. Um, and there is no, and the reason for this is that retailers have, uh, um, have three things that they, they, they're missing. One is it's too slow. I mean, with the exception of some of the faster ones, right? In general, Bitcoin right. and Ethereum, you can't just pay with it. You have, let's wait, you know, in the queue, just waiting for it. So nobody wants to do that. The fees involved are just astronomically too high. So it can't be used on that level either. Um, it's, uh, it's too volatile. So I, I don't want to sell my banana. And then five minutes later, I've got half the value of a banana versus right. if I'm speaking in terms of dollars or, or pounds. Um, then I, I end up in that dichotomy. And because my whole supply chain is based out of businesses which accept pounds and dollars and stuff, uh, you know, I have to know I have some sort of price stability. And because that price uh, stability is not there, I don't want it. And also, from a very basic perspective, there is no demand, no, no demand from consumers on any level to be using cryptocurrency to pay in businesses. It's all just right. not really, yeah? Um, and so there's two solutions which exist to this. One is that you have like a crypto debit card where your crypto is automatically turned into a payment to the merchant in fiat and you can use it, which means the merchant isn't accepting fiat uh, crypto. And on the other side, you can have a payment gateway where the, the crypto is turned into fiat and settled to the merchant. Again, the merchant's not accepting crypto. So in both those solutions, there is no solution. And, um, right. and, as, and as such, crypto is doomed 
to keep going, keep going, keep going. Give all your money to Michael Saylor. (laughs) 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 Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then eventually, um, either it's going to work and it's going to go to a million dollars of Bitcoin, as he says, or it's going to go to zero. Um, And I really hope it'll go. I mean, think for the next 20 years, everything's all good because it's the only really thing there is, is Bitcoin. But then when you come into our world of what we're doing um, and working in the rewards currency level, I think because we are creating in amongst all of this reward stuff, I, uh, these discounts, that, that 17% that I mentioned at the beginning of all this discount, if that can be tokenized into a liquidity layer across the planet where any crypto can actually be sp- was spent through that at a, at a retailer, um, then now you have a situation where all cryptocurrency can achieve its goal of actually changing the world. And, and that's what our journey is on another direction. So we, we have the technology side and then we have the tokenomic side and everything that's going on on, on, the, on the token world. And where they converge is the most interesting. Generally, I don't mix the communication because it becomes uh, it becomes like confusing, and we just talk about the reward technology. But when it comes to the currency side that's moving on, it's a fabulous um, a fabulous thing, and it can the tokenomics of such a, a journey make giving someone that thousand dollars to spend at the supermarket free to the business that's participating. But that's another subject altogether. <laughs> that, that's really interesting. And so are there merchants that are concerned if, if they take that $1,000 and then they go buy their bananas? Now, instead of having half a banana worth of, of currency, now they have none. Now, you're moving Somebody very just use those rewards. You're, you're moving very fast. But in our <laughs> ecosystem, remember, the, what I said is the business who actually paid the reward. Yeah. So the business has paid the reward in the first place. And they must accept back the same level of reward they issued. So ah, the, gotcha. the acceptance is the key. The issuance by decentralizing it to the actual reward partner also gets them on the hook to accept back. And that maintains the value of the currency across the board by decentralized issuance. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So it, you see how it ties rewards, currencies, technologies, all of that together in multiple countries. That, that's where it all comes comes from. <laughs> I think that is, is a brilliant, brilliant concept. And that's that's why my beard is gray now and yours is still beautifully brown. <laughs> <laughs> but everything starts with a smile. So tell me, how can people find more about you and Enigmatic Smile online? So, of course, you can go and check out Enigmatic Smile, which is like the Mona Lisa uh, thing, enigmaticsmile.com is the reward technology company that provides the reward technology. In every country that we're operating, um, there is a, uh, a, a hub um, who's, who's building the reward programs and the users and everything within th- those countries. And then in terms of the currency side um, and what we're doing in the currency side, the currency is called VOW that we're working on. Um, and uh, yeah, so all those things apply. So bish at enigmaticsmile.com if anyone wants to get in touch um, and visit the website and find out more. And, it, you know, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for letting me finish and close on that. If <laughs> anyone, well, one more thing, right? If anyone wants a reward app, um, because on the site we can give free reward apps, um, you can come along 
if you've got a reasonably big consumer base, you need you need to have a hundred thousand people or or more as consumers, and you want to give them a reward app. You come to us, we deliver you a reward app where the customer can register their credit cards and debit cards for free, and then start collecting free money at the biggest selection of merchants imaginable in the world. Um, and uh, and you keep your customers happy. You can message them, communicate with them, upsell your products, do everything. Um, so that's how we grow by by collaboration as well. Um, so yeah, plugging it. Outstanding. <laughs> I love it. Collaboration is where it's at. Man, and and that brings me right back to saying, in conclusion, thank you very much for inviting me on this. Um, I'm new to it, so I'm just flowing with it, as as you know. <laughs> But I, I, I enjoyed this. I enjoy speaking to you. I, I think I think actually we'd get on great in the physical universe. Yes. Having a whiskey or something. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm changing crazy. lives, changing lives. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, thank you for being on Task Fuel, Bish. It's a great conversation. Thank you so much, Task Fuel. Thanks to your viewers. Thank you, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks again, Bish, for coming on the show and sharing your journey and insights. He's brilliant and such a delight to talk with. You know, I wish more merchants would adopt this instead of trying to just roll their own program. I mean, so often it's, you know, so much of a hassle to play the game and I'm a rewards and perks nut. I love that kind of stuff, but some of them are just, yeah, who came up with that? You know, for many, the effort just isn't worth it, which is why I really like Enigmatic Smile and that concept. Simple, easy, and so worth it. You can learn more about Bish at EnigmaticSmile.com. All links, highlights, resources, and full show notes are available at SASFuel.com. And check out video episodes, shorts, and more on our YouTube channel as well. Be sure to subscribe and follow us while you're there. Everyone who subscribes this week gets a loyalty badge of honor. Wearable at all stores, flash it for instant respect, or the occasional confused stare. Or just maybe flash an enigmatic smile instead. That'll be your badge of honor. Well, join us next time on our SaaS Fuel Expert Series for Dan Radu, who leads strategy operations and marketing execution for global marketing teams. Companies come to Dan and his team when they want to make better data-driven decisions and need help scaling their global marketing operations. And the next Tuesday, our founder is David Rush, founder and CEO of Small World. It's a SaaS platform that is revolutionizing lead gen referrals and warm introductions. It will absolutely blow your mind. I'll see you next time. And as always, enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening to SaaS Fuel. Full show notes for each episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and any resources mentioned are available at sasfuel.com. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from these episodes, please leave us a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com slash sassfuel. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes.